Welcome back once more to this evening's edition of Talking Point with me, Jamil. As always, my pleasure being in your company. Well, I mentioned earlier on when I gave you a rundown on the discussions that's going to be taking place. Yeah, we also will also be focusing on our universities. And uh, the question arises, and many would say that how South African universities are governed is the biggest challenge. I thought, okay, I raised my eyebrows around that one. Now, universities should be a space for free thinking where knowledge generation and societal development go hand in hand. But we notice something startling different to this perception. Well, the roads must fall saga, and then what happened at the University of Stellenbosch, and I believe today even at the Tigerberg campus, there were protests there. And um, the the one around the roads must fall saga uh, was mostly, and if you look at the University of Stellenbosch as well, you know, the question get raised around racial inequality and many are saying well it's still present well to unbundle the challenge we are going to be speaking to David J. Hornsby PhD uh, and a senior lecturer in international relations and assistant dean of humanities teaching and learning at the University of Witwatersrand David a very good evening thanks for joining us on the Voice of the Cape Radio Thank you for having me. Good evening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give, us, give us some insight here. Now, I thought that with a new democracy that academic growth would be simpler and easier, but there seems to be more challenges today than when Madiba was enrolled into university. Um, where does the fault lie? And all of a sudden, this voice that's being raised here, um, give us a bit of an insight. Sure, happy to. Well, I think on the transformation issue, uh, there's no silver bullet. There's no one cause. There's no silver bullet um, solution. But what we can do is we can talk quite honestly and openly about the different problems that I think exist in South Africa and South African institutions. One of the biggest problems, I mean, we hear quite a lot about, uh, particularly from the Rose Fall campaign and the Lister campaign, is that what we're teaching in South African institutions is not um, reaching or speaking to South African students, and particularly black South African students. Mm. Um, The other challenge, though, I look at it is is not just what we're teaching, it's also how we're teaching. That is, what are the modes and methods that we're utilizing in our classrooms as a means of engaging with our students? And I think there's fair criticism there to say that the way we're teaching our students here in South Africa isn't necessarily giving them the skills uh, that they need to be critical or to rather engage critically in a discipline or in uh, a workplace. And I think that's a fair criticism as well. The third thing that, and this is what I wrote about uh, for the conversation and for Business Day, is talking about the governance of our institutions. And I'm ultimately making the argument that I think our governance institutions are too top-heavy, they're too hierarchical, and they place too much uh, emphasis on people, on, on certain individuals. So uh, full professors, for instance, have mm. too much power, in my view at universities. Um, Councils of universities uh, have too much power when they need to actually be more strategic. And the vice chancellors as well. I think one of the things that's always interested me about South Africa, and I must admit I'm not from South Africa, I'm from Canada, is that, you know, the the power of a vice chancellor to dictate what happens in institution is far greater than elsewhere in the world. And I I think those are issues that are problematic. 
Give us an example when you say, you know, it's different to you know, in other parts of the world. It's just one or two examples. Sure. Well, I mean, I can speak uh, about my own country in Canada. I mean, I used to, as a student, sit on the university senate at my, at my university in Canada as a student representative. There, that space is, is far more democratic. Mm. In South Africa, senates are generally the purview of full professors, and they sort of by right sit on the university senate. In Canada and, and in the United States, um, these are spaces where academics are elected to those positions. So it can be from a range of, of different academic ranks, uh, but it's also inclusive of students and it's also inclusive of support staff. Um, also speaking about councils, um, councils elsewhere tend to be far more um, focused on the strategic initiatives of a university. They ensure Obviously, the university operates within its means, that it's not sort of blowing its budgets, but um, it sort of stays removed from the day-to-day decision-making. That doesn't happen here. You see councils, particularly like that at WITS, um, being engaged in determining whether or not performance management systems should be implemented on academics, and that's just fundamentally um, a sort of counter to what universities should be like. Yeah, I've always thought about it. When when this thing first raised its head at university, and I thought, well, what better place for it to raise its head? Because many would say, although we 20, 21 years into our democracy, um, uh, you know, there would be those who always disadvantaged, previously disadvantaged, becoming restless, and particularly our students, because change was happening, but very, very slowly. And I think you've you've touched on something very, very important that I didn't think about um, when, when it comes to... Now, even the racial issue, but I still ever thought that when I look at having lived through apartheid, what was it, 50 years of oppression, um, you would uh, you would have turmoil at universities, or friction, let me rather use that term. And I find that that's not being um, tackled or discussed openly. Friction, when I say about the racial issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, that, that has been a challenge. I mean, I think universities, to their credit in South Africa, are very open spaces that actually why we're seeing a lot of this um, a lot of this pushback now, a lot of raising of these questions by students, is because there's the space available at South African universities to have free and open debate. I think the criticism that um, our, the universities in South Africa haven't shifted or haven't evolved fast enough under the new dispensation, that is the democratic dispensation, is quite, you know, legitimate. Mm. And, you know, I just feel fortunate that, you know, we do have institutions that students can do that and that it's actually a safe space for them to do that too. Because one of the questions, uh, you know, how do we address this? Um, many would say the way things are going at our universities now is the wrong way. There should be proper ways to address it instead of having all these disruptions. But then there are others who say to me, that's the only way we get our voice heard. <laughs> how should it be addressed? Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's a very hard question, and I think if, if I could answer that, I would be a very rich man. Um, I think, you know, obviously, you know, how do we address it? Uh, again, like I, I think, as I said in the opening, I think we have to consider it from a multi-pronged approach, um, that it's, you know, about what we're teaching, it's about how we're teaching, and it's about how our institutions are governed um, and, and how they're set up as, as a space for free thinking and for free speech and free debate. And, and so I think we need to be emphasizing in, on, on those three pillars 
uh, interventions that um, seek to rectify and, and open open it up for students to contribute. Mm. Now, when we talk about the council itself, <clears throat> the question being asked is why is council playing such an active role in governance? And many would say, well, it's their mandate and should they be less active? Well, the question then arises, should they be less active that way? Well, I think, you know, there's an interesting bit of history here. Um, councils, pre the, the sort of the shift out of apartheid, um, were very disconnected. Um, and it was sort of, you know, the institutions were run um, through sort of the internal governance structures that we see today. Um, in the post-apartheid scenario, there was a thinking that, you know, universities needed to transform. And so, I mean, the government quite, I think, smartly thought that they could em- empower or encourage transformation through um, empowering councils, because um, they could directly in, be involved in appointing members of the council. And I think that was actually a really great idea at the time. The unfortunate thing is it just hasn't worked out uh, as they wanted, and it hasn't worked out as they wanted, because I think there's, there's sort of been two, or one main pressure. The main pressure has been uh, funding of higher education. We see South Africa falling far behind on uh, public funding for higher education. At the moment, I think we sit at 0.6% of GDP is spent on higher education, um, when the African average is 1.6% of GDP. Uh, that sort of also similarly correlates to industrialized countries that are part of the OECD. So South Africa sort of falls behind on the public funding point of view. And what that happens then is a, in a council that has given so much power and, and influence uh, to, determine, to determine the day-to-day functioning of the institution, it means that they have to get involved in the budgeting. Mm-hmm. And they have to get involved in decisions around what gets funded and what doesn't, or where what gets cut or what you know what doesn't. And that sh- fundamentally shouldn't be what the role of councils are. They should be far more strategic. They should be far more disconnected. Arm's length, I think, is a good way of saying. And, and you know, obviously, respect be respected as a fiduciary uh, player, but um, that's about where it should end. Mm. David, also, <clears throat> when we talk about the. Um uh, centralized power maybe just unbundle that for us and the question then would be would decentralized power really work that's i mean i think that's a, that's a debatable point i mean i think at the moment what we've seen uh, across south african institutions is that the vice chancellor's offices maintain uh, an incredible amount of influence and power over the day-to-day functioning of particular departments of faculties etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, it's not like that at every South African university, but I think you know we can probably generalize across the sector. Um, in that context, it's been like that since since the um, since the transition out of apartheid. Um, we haven't seen the transformation that's taken place. I mean, I think in that sense, then we need to think about whether or not that's still a viable model. And I think a part of what actually really results in proper transformation mm. is when it's bought into by the rank and file when it's bought into the people who teach, when it's bought into by those who are administrating, and certainly bought into by those who are learning. So I think, you know, we have to stop uh, relying on sort of venerable and venerated leaders to sort of tell us what we need to do. We actually need to grab the bull by the horns on the transformation issue and lead from the ground up. David, um, there would be those arguing and saying, yeah, but we're moving in that direction. Uh, that direction, others would say, yeah, but the, the, the pace is slow. The way you size up things, um, are we getting there? Uh, you know, I think 
I've been I've been amazed, to be honest with you, at sort of the responsiveness of colleagues across South Africa at different universities to the concerns raised by students. Mm. I think there are still legitimate criticisms out there. I think you know we have to listen to students and those who are saying that we're not moving fast enough. Um, but I do think things are happening. I mean, I'm just reflecting on what's taking place at Vitz, and I mean, I'm oh, I'm yes. at the coalface in the in the Faculty of Humanities. And, I mean, I've been involved in my assistant dean role in the curriculum review of um, three out of the four, out of uh, the five schools in my faculty mm-hmm. so far this year. And largely around those discussions is how can we integrate more local-based knowledge? How can we make sure that we're communicating information that is relevant to the majority of our South African students? And uh, how are we also positioning ourselves to be sort of leaders um, on an African-based pedagogy or an African-based set of research uh, questions. And that's, and that's really important. I think that's, that's been really inspira- inspiring to me. Beautiful. <laughs> on that inspirational note, I'm going to have to leave it there. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know it was short and sweet, um, but I think um, I get the gist of it, and I'm certain our listeners get the gist of it. We are getting there, although it's a bit of a bumpy ride. David, thanks very much for your time with me on Voice of the Cape this evening. Thank you so much. Hope Thanks. to speak to you again. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, that's David J. Hornsby. He's a PhD at Canterbury and then Senior Lecturer in International Relations um, and Assistant Dean of Humanities, Teaching and Learning at the University of Witwatersrand.